My name is Paul McDermott and I'm a vinyl junkie. I can't remember exactly when I became obsessed with music and records, but I do know that some of my earliest memories are of hearing the sound of static as a vinyl record is pulled slowly from its paper inner sleeve. The sound of the crackle as a needle hits the groove. Sounds I've been listening to since my grandmother played Joseph Locke on a 1970 orange and cream Fidelity record player. I've been collecting records since Adam Ant as the dandy highwayman stormed the charts in 1981. I'm no Luddite. I stream music daily, but I'm no audiophile and I care little about the often mentioned sound of vinyl. I've just always taken huge comfort in discovering and collecting old records and the tactile nature of the vinyl format. My record collection is mostly made up of indie guitar music from the 80s and 90s, but I also like electronic, soul and jazz, and more recently I've even started listening to Irish traditional music. A few years ago, a series of videos were posted on YouTube. Own Stan O'Sullivan chatting to the renowned Schlieve Lucre fiddle player Paddy Jones. I've known Stan for over 30 years. His band The Shanks were one of the greatest Irish bands of the early 90s. Stan is the Schlieve Lucre musician in residence and I was really curious to learn more about the music. Paddy's asked by Stan to try and define the music of Schlieve Lucre. The Drake, if it can be defined, it's no longer Drake. Yeah, that's what makes it the Drake. It's not a reality, it's in the realm of legend. When we're talking about Schlieve Lucre, I'm talking about going back to the Fountainhead, to O'Keefe and Dennis Murphy. When I hear Dennis Murphy playing, even in the record, you know, the star above the garter, that's a Drake, that's, you know, a magic, it doesn't fully express this. Driacht, it takes you into the dimension of the imagination. Andriacht, the magic. Paddy was describing the pleasure of listening to music in terms I'd never heard before. By now I was taking notes. O'Keefe, Dennis Murphy, the star above the garter. I'd heard the names O'Keefe and Dennis Murphy before. I associated them with Liam Clancy. I knew I had a record with them on it. The Lark in the Morning, a beautiful compilation album subtitled Songs and Dances from the Irish Countryside. I'd bought it years ago in a second-hand record shop. Lark in the Morning collects songs that were recorded in the summer of 1955 by Diane Hamilton, the heiress to the Guggenheim Empire. Sure enough, there on the back cover of the record is a photo of a young, smiling Liam Clancy. Above Liam is an iconic photograph of Padraig O'Keefe. A glass of stout in one hand and his fiddle and bow in the other. O'Keefe plays a jig on side one and Dennis Murphy plays a hornpipe on side two. Paddy told Stan about buying siblings, Dennis Murphy and Julia Clifford's record, The Star Above the Garter, in Limerick in 1969. I happened to see this record shop and there was this 
started with a very psychedelic looking cover. It was the old, the big LP. And they listened to it. After a time, they didn't write a one. And then even the Paul says, you know, the knock the ball said, man, oh man. Because then I began to learn to appreciate the drift that was happening in this stuff, you know. That was it. I was transfixed. I wanted to know more and I wanted to hear this music. I googled the star above the garter. And sure enough, I understood straight away what Paddy meant about the album cover. It's a beautiful painting of a scene from a bar. Musicians are playing and people are dancing and singing. I sent Stan a message. A lovely video. I don't know that star above the garter record, but the album cover is absolutely beautiful. Stan replied, Try the star above the garter. It may take a while to get used to, but it's the real thing in its rawest form. Hard to come by on vinyl, I'd say, but that's because anyone who had it wore it out. That was it. Stan had thrown down a gauntlet. Hard to come by on vinyl? Yeah, I'd find it. I looked in second-hand record shops in Cork and Dublin. I attended car boot sales in Tallis Stadium and the Merchant's Yard Market in East Wall. All to no joy. Eventually, at a record fair in the CIE Hall in Inchicore, on a table in the far corner of the hall was a box of records labelled Irish Folk. I flicked through it. There were records by Christy Moore, Mary Black, Mary Coughlin, a few overpriced Planxty records with ripped covers and terrible ringwear. But then I spotted it. That psychedelic looking cover as Paddy Jones had described it the star above the garter I got it I'd found my holy grail and it was in mint condition I did that nervous thing I've been doing for nearly 40 years I pushed the record back into the box and I looked around me to make sure that no one was waiting to scoop in and grab my prize and then I discovered just behind Dennis and Julia's record that familiar photograph of Padraig O'Keefe holding his glass of stout and his fiddle and bow looking up at me Another record. This one was titled Kerry Fiddles, The Music of Schlieve Lucre, Volume 1, featuring Padraig, Dennis and Julia. I'd hit pay dirt. I paid for my prized vinyl and left. Sitting in the car, I searched online and read that Kerry Fiddles was Volume 1 of a six-volume set of records titled The Music from Schlieve Lucre that was released on Topic Records, the famed British folk label, Back in 1977, I messaged Stan and told him of my finds. He messaged back. Paulie wrote, you're getting caught in the Schlieve Lucre vortex. Smiley face. Vortex was right. On realising that Kerry Fiddles was just volume one of six, it meant that now I was morally obliged to search out the others. This is Andreucht, the music of Schlieve Lucre. It's about a search for records. It's about looking into the past at a musical tradition while at the same time pushing that tradition forward. My journey to the heart of Schlieve Lucre was only just beginning. As Paddy Jones might have put it, I needed to learn to appreciate the Dreucht that was in this stuff. 
I needed an expert. I needed someone steeped in this tradition to help me. Stan would be my guide. Okay, so my name is Owen Stan O'Sullivan from Newmarket, County Cork. Uh, we're here at the Crawford Art Gallery and we're standing in front of a painting called The Men of the South. Sean Keating. Why did you want to bring me in here and ask on to have a look at this? What uh, does this have to do with the music of Sleeve <laughs> Lucre? In the painting, one of the men there is my great-grandfather, Roger Coyley. It is one of these iconic paintings from the War of Independence, but the other guys in the painting are all holding their Lee Infields, but he's holding a revolver because actually Roger Kiley, it makes him look like he's maybe a leader or something, but he's actually, he was in the intelligence branch of that flying column. He stayed working in the school. He was gather information from people. Actually, he had a contact here in City Hall who would cycle out and uh, give him information about the troop movements and, and things like that, and he in turn then would, uh, you know, pass that on. He didn't talk about, and I don't think any of them really did, actually. This is something I, I heard that, like, a lot of them didn't, didn't brag, they didn't really go into uh, the details of the kind of things that they had been involved in. He played the fiddle, I suppose maybe not in the way that I do, playing like dance music and stuff. He loved old lonesome music. You know, he loved, I suppose it's called, in Irish it's called the gull tree, isn't it? You know, the sad music. And he, like, he suffered from depression through his life, but that was my mother's memory of him and my grandmother, his daughter's memory of him, that he would play, <laughs> they would maybe have called it miserable music. He loved to play uh, kind of sad music. Actually, this painting was on my on the wall in my grandmother's house. So you grew up looking. I grew up looking at it. I remember when I saw it first, and they were like, "Oh, look at your great grandfather!" And I always thought they looked like the baddies out of a cowboy movie. So I was kind of, you know, oh, I don't know, you know. But I remember then being brought here, you know, when I was nine or ten. We were just passing by, and someone said, "Come on, we'll go in and see your great grandfather." And you know, seeing it like this, it actually really kind of stirred something in me. You know, I was like, "Oh, whoa!" It kind of dawned on me how. I suppose it was an honour for them to be kind of like uh, like that, and it, I felt honoured then as well. There's two versions. I think this one was painted second. If you look at the two of them, there's not more time put into this. But the other one, it's a lot bigger, and it's got two other people in it. But it's basically the, the same core with two extra people in it, Sean Moylan and a guy called Mick Mike Dinney. That's in ours in Uchtron, and actually that's, that's actually mind-blowing looking at that. And then in April 2019, President Michael D. Higgins invited family members of the men portrayed in the two paintings to Oris on Uchtron. The people who had organised the trip asked me to play an old polka, but I decided to play a, an air. And it was a, actually it was a tune I had kind of adapted myself. I had uh, learned from well, like one of my big heroes, a man named Maris O'Keefe. But I, later on I found out that Maurice O'Keefe actually learnt the fiddle in a house in the same townland as where my great-grandfather was from. So there was this lovely kind of a link. A link. It actually it was just brilliant to be able to, to do it, you know, when I was on my way and I was like, it all started making sense, you know.
Stan and I left the Crawford Gallery. Now, when I first met Stan back in the early 90s, I didn't know that he played the fiddle and I knew nothing of the music of Shlieve Lucre. I wanted to talk to him about when he first moved from Newmarket in North Cork up to Cork City with his band, The Shanks. I knew the very place that would stir up some old memories. We're sitting in the grounds of St Finbar's Cathedral, but we're looking across the road towards the Art College and there's a little terrace of three houses called Oideville. As an 18-year-old, when I moved away from uh, my home in North Cork, I moved into number two, Oideville, Flat B. At times was a bit of a party house in that it was a place very near town. It was one of the, you could throw a stone into any of the pubs in, in the city centre. So often uh, you would find after gigs and stuff like that, people would drift back to our place. When we started as 15, 16-year-olds, very quick, like when in a year we were, we moved on to, from being like a garage band to playing in, you know, we had like residencies and places like Tralee and we there was a, a brilliant little circuit that we were doing. So Cork was like the next step and we needed to go. But I don't think it was like the ambition to, to be here forever, but it was just going to be a stepping stone, maybe on the way to London or, you know, some further place. There was about five or six of us living in a, a three bedroom flat. We took it very seriously, actually, when we arrived there. We would have, uh, you know, we had a dedicated hours where we would have worked on songwriting and stuff like that. We were trying our little hearts out, you know, and practice and practice and practice. And then we kind of launched ourselves onto the cart scene with a few gigs. Won't you show me There was a kind of a trajectory to what we were doing, I suppose, you know, from being a garage band to being a, a weekend band who were still at school. And then we were living in Cork City. And when we kind of hit the Cork scene, it was brilliant timing because uh, you would have had uh, the likes of the Sultans of Ping were just on the edge of doing really well. And the Frank and Walters had started to really make waves across the way as the Sultans were doing their second tour in England they brought us along with him and we were playing like in front of packed venues in London and all over uh, it was just brilliant I'd learnt the Doremis and the fiddle and just before I left home I'd kind of gone through a, a phase of pl- starting to play my fiddle a small bit I had had it here in Ideville below there <laughs> under the bed the Cork music scene there was a massive kind of tsunami of electronic music and DJ culture that hit the city and it it totally killed the live scene because we didn't get out of Cork at the right time we could never generate enough cash because there wasn't enough gigs or enough yeah. good gigs you know and people were going to something else and at the same time I was delving into listening to traditional music which I'd grown up around I always had felt that I was kind of trying to push that through the Shanks music but I started investigating it playing with fiddle I was kind of realising that it was these records I was listening to were of a time where the Irish music I was playing seemed to be really alive and like I knew people who played at home and stuff like that. I started going home to play with some of the musicians at home. There was a, a group there called the Monks of the Screw. I started hanging around with these guys and they were like, to me they were like the hot club of Schlieve Luke. <laughs> 
they taught me so much music, especially men Paddy Scully and another man, Tim Brown. Tim Brown was great to me. He handed me a copy version of the Star Above the Garter by Dennis Murphy and Judy Clifford, and he said, go and learn that. And that was that was the challenge. That was the challenge. Actually, when I put that on the on my player first, that's when Schlieve Lucre music dawned on me because when I put on the Star of the Garter, I went, "Oh my God, this is the music I know. I know all this music." It wasn't new to me. It was the music that I'd grown up with. It was then it kind of dawned on me, like the place that I'd grown up was like had this its own sound and its own output of music that was just so so special, like you know. So. I always hoped I was pushing uh, the experiences I had growing up with uh, Irish music and I was hoping that that was coming out in our music and I remember one time we played in Germany and the, whoever the promoter was had taken on themselves like to kind of put like a slogan under our poster and he had um, written folk and punk and pop <laughs> under the thing and I, I remember going well, well done you know <laughs> Because that was it, like we were like a punk band who kinda of had folky songs and with you know the odd catchy chorus. So <laughs> down at Idaville Stan what memories come flooding back at the place it was a lovely place to land but a lot of the memories actually are of more the more tough times like um, when you leave home you never think of things like cold winters and depression and stuff like that but we hit a lot of those we learnt a lot about ourselves I'd say in those kind of like having no money <laughs> not much food I see your face Spoken punk and pop. I'd heard that before. In my attic, I've a shoebox filled with old ticket stubs, flyers and fanzines. A gang of us produced Chock-A-Block, a music fanzine, in Cork back in the 90s. And it didn't take me long to find an old interview with the Shanks in one of its issues. There it was. Stan talks about touring Europe and he tells Brian O'Shaughnessy, yeah, like one particular gig we played in Germany, the poster read Funkin' Punkin' Pop. At the end of the interview, Brian writes that some of the Shanks' new songs keep on this folk trad axis. It's not surprising then to find that Stan plays the fiddle and that his father is a traditional musician. I was started at a very young age with the traditional music, says Stan. The trad influence had been there all along, but I never picked up on it. I suppose I just hadn't been listening. Meanwhile, the search for the five missing volumes of the music from Shiliv Lucre was proving difficult. Nothing had turned up in second-hand record shops or charity shops, so I was forced to extend my search further afield. Volume 5, Johnny O'Leary, Music for the Set, turned up in a record shop in Leeds. And once I heard that their copy included the four-page insert with the beautiful set-dancing diagram, a plan of a quadril for 16 persons, I jumped on their asking price. This live recording is so raw that behind O'Leary's accordion you can hear the noise of people chatting and the feet of the dancers. 
close your eyes and you're transported to a session in Dan Connell's pub in Knocknagree back in 1976 when the album was recorded. Volume 6, Jackie Daly, turned up in a record shop in Regensburg, a small city on the Danube in southeastern Germany. On its release back in 1977, Jackie would have been part of the young breed of Schilliv Lucre musicians. There's Jackie on the cover, long hair and bearded, eyes closed, holding his accordion, lost in the music. It's magic, all right, Andreucht. myself further into this music. I felt an urge to walk the very townlands that these polkas and slides are named after. I got back onto Stan and arranged to meet him in North Cork. I was headed for Schlieve Lucre. Where are we, Stan? Uh, we're just at a place called Knocknabold Crossroads and we're at the southern side of the cross looking down at the mountains. From right to left now, what's over there from, on the right? Uh, they're the paps, the breasts of the earth goddess from the Tuhadeden and all yeah. that. Then the next hill, or mountain I should say, is called Caharbarna, and like along then, I'm not exactly sure of the thing, but like you have Mushra and Clara, they're the mountains that kind of dominate yeah. the southern part of Schlieve Lucre. The land that we're looking over now, like there where you can see the two wind turbines, is a place called Lack Across, which is right beside another place called Touring Cal. Knocknagree is just behind that hill, Ratmore is to the south. So I suppose we're looking at the uh, over Gunnigal into uh, Ratmore. I can't see it. <laughs> Sometimes it comes out fine, but then other times it, it gets caught in my mouth. Gunnigale. We're looking over all the southern part of Kerry side of uh, Schlieve Lucre and Cork side as well. Well, an awful lot of the very famous fiddlers that you'd hear of, like Dennis Murphy, Dennis Waver, Julia Clifford, Paddy Cronin, down in Guinea as well, some of the more famous box players like Jimmy Doyle, uh, Johnny Larry, you know, definitely leave you out another 10 yeah. or 20 people. Uh, the Patrick O'Keefe thing is very prevalent around here. 
dead albus is this part of uh lucre it's probably a lot better land it's probably more a bit more populated than up towards the limerick side you've got a lot higher mountains uh, a lot more of it's uh, probably a lot less populated so i suppose naturally you'd have more of the famous musicians here because it's definitely more populated Listeners can hear the cars off in the distance. It's because we're looking down a long, straight road. This is one of those old military roads. I said it was built in the mid-19th century to kind of make the place a bit more civilised. Where I grew up, a place called Monkeef in the market, there was a gateway across from our front little gate in the cottage. And when you'd walk out and walk over to the gate, put your arms up in it, it was like framing the peps here. Yeah. I remember coming away from the Belly Desmond Flack Hall one time with a magazine called the Schlieve Lucre magazine and it was the first time I'd kind of heard the term. And, and what was on the front of the Schlieve Lucre magazine was a picture of the Paps. Could have been even taken from here, but it's just a perfect picture of the Paps. Because it was like, what Schlieve Lucre to my dad? And he was like, oh, you know, he's like kind of talking about the, the ancient history and, and explaining about the music and it just all kind of kicked off an awareness of what Schlieve Lucre might be, you know. It's hard to pin it down. I think we've picked the nicest day for it to stand. Unreal, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh-huh. But actually, that's one thing I would say. During the winter, the bogs kind of come to life in the damp. There's something about it. Like, say, if we were standing here, there would be kind of layers. But when you get up into the north part, or even around here, because that's all bog as well, yeah. there's something, there's a presence there in the bog as well, you know? It creates its own atmosphere. Five, six hundred years ago, this would have just been, probably been just rushes. Yeah. The, the Schlieve Lucre, you know, the land of the you know, wilderness covered in rushes. Stan mentioned attending the Ballydesmond Flakeol as a young fella, so we drove the few short kilometres from Knocknabal Cross in County Kerry back into County Cork. So this is a Ballydesmond village, originally called King Williamstown, and it was built here in the 1830s as a model village, I suppose, to show the area. But I'd say the real reason was probably like to maybe control the crossing of the river here because the area here around what's known as Schlieve Lucre now would have been a kind of a wilderness with no roads or no proper passages through it, you know, maybe some old ancient bohers or whatever. But the end of the summer... You'd have to come to Ballyresmond for a thing called the Flag Hole. The main thing was there would be like a stage down the end of the town on the back of a truck and there'd be bits of competitions going on here. But I remember when I was maybe 11 or 12 and in the football field there was a stage on the back of a truck. But it was like Woodstock for Sleep Luke or something. And the Jimi Hendrix of the piece was Julia Clifford. I remember watching, seeing Julia. You always picture her with, the, you know, the big glasses. And she used to have one of these fiddles that was like a horn, had a horn sticky out. It was like a gramophone style fiddle. I remember going in to my mother to find out when we were going home. It was late in the evening. I was like, oh, when are we leaving? And I remember my mother goes, I'd say not for a while. And I was like, why? And she nodded over and I looked, turned around and Julia Clifford was in the middle with my, you know, the dad and all the, his friends are all around. Like, we're playing with Julia Clifford. You know, it was just, she was like a, the big star. Royalty. Yeah, royalty. Coming out of the village, we took the Kishkame Road and passed the GAA Club, where Stan had seen Julia Clifford back in the 80s. We were headed for Newmarket. Raymond O'Sullivan, Stan's father, local historian and musician, was waiting for us. Sitting in Raymond's beautiful garden, we chatted for hours. At some point during the day, Raymond mentioned Padraig O'Keefe's fiddle. In fact, it's still back there. This is in Lines's province, Catechlin. This is Lines just have the fiddle. Just still back there. I was asking her granddaughter there the other day, and she said she's upstairs. She said inside in the press. They said you should bring it down. It was hanging up at the back of the bar. 
and when I knew it, it wasn't in plain condition at all. Fingerboard was off it, and there was a few pegs, and there was no strings in it. I fell out in County Dublin. He took it, Patrick's fiddle, like. He sent it down. I actually had it here in the house for, I'd say, about a month before I sent it back. And there was no case in it, of course. It was only hanging up on the shelf with an old bit of a lace or something around the neck of it. The following year, I played it, I remember, and the fingerboard was after falling off of it again. So we got a bit of bustic. <laughs> and I stuck it on with the bustic. But it hadn't set at all, it was inclined to move. You know, it should have been on it for a couple of days, I suppose. <laughs> it had the very sound that was in, in Patrick's tapes, you know, the ones that, that Seamus Innes yeah. made. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Patrick was a gentleman, he was a well educated man, you know, he wasn't any rough character, and I'd say, knew how to treat a lady. He was a teacher, wasn't he? He was a national school teacher, and, and so were his parents. Yeah. He had a bit of a weakness for drink. He was a bit unlucky in, in love as well, I think. He'd, you know, he'd, yeah. he'd, some girl that went off to America and married someone else. Uh-huh. You know. Other people tell us that he wasn't really cut out for teaching. But he seemed to be a good music teacher. His pupils mm, all yeah. seemed to do exactly yeah. what he wanted them to do. You know, yeah. That's what they call Sleeve Lucre music now, the, the music of Patrick O'Keefe's pupils. Yeah. You know, whereas like Sleeve Lucre is much bigger than Patrick O'Keefe. Yes. I mean, Patrick mm. was living behind in Glontan. All of his pupils would have been within walking or cycling distance of there. Like you know, he, he was he was such a good teacher that his music—that's what his regarded now. Sleeve Lucre music, you know, when you hear say the likes of Matt Cranich and all those, those are sort of experts in the thing. They, that's what they're talking about. But there were lots of lots and lots of other teachers as well. There wouldn't have been. There was one of them here in town, Dan Rogers. His name. He was unusual in that he was deaf. <laughs> he, was a, he was a deaf teacher. I don't know how, how he used to do. He'd start to walk. He said, if they were any good, they'd keep going. And if they wouldn't, uh, he could do nothing with them anyway. That <laughs> 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 he'd give them the basics. And that's the way. Like I mean, Patrick was known to refuse to teach people after a while. He'd know that he couldn't. They, would, they would have been maybe big farmers that would be well able to pay him. Yeah. But he just couldn't make any hand of them. And yeah. He'd just stop going there, calling there. That's the way that they do it. Like the good ones would keep playing, but Patrick seemed to be to make them all play, and they all have much the same style, you know. And it wasn't that they were all Paganini's. Like he just didn't move on the bad ones, and if it were any affair at all, he'd keep going. Yeah. And you know, who's another man that had some influence around here and influence in, in a lot of the musicians? It would be uh, Tom Billy. Tom Billy was older than Patrick O'Keefe. I'd say that musicians that we met when we were young, some of them would have been Tom Billy's pupils and more of them would have met Tom Billy's pupils, like that his music was a bigger influence in here than Patrick O'Keefe. Tom died during the war, so I never got to know him. Because Patrick O'Keefe was recorded. Yeah, of mm. course, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and Tom Billy wasn't? No, yeah, Tom yeah. Billy wasn't recorded, yeah, no. He's on no. the side of course, but I think that's a big, a big thing, that's you know. It. They say that Tom's music was better for dancing. And Tom got polio when he was 13. Okay. It affected his right side and his bowing hand, I'd say. And it also blinded him. He used to travel around on a donkey. The donkey seemed to know where he was going. He, was, he got around anyway with the donkey. He used to teach the tin whistle and, uh, and the fiddle. And he was a great storyteller. You know, he used to bring news from all over the country, like where he'd be. Tom? Tom Billy Murphy was his Tom name. Tom Billy Murphy. Yeah. From where exactly is this Tom Billy? Glen Collins in, in Ballydesmond. Stan and I left Raymond and we drove back towards Ballydesmond, crisscrossing Schlievelukra. We turned right just after Clamper, where Tom Billy, the blind fiddle player and teacher, used to hold court. A sharp left, and we were on another of those old straight roads. At Doctor's Hill, we crossed a bridge over a small meandering river. Unimaginable from up here in Schlievelukra, 
but this was the mighty River Blackwater that 120 kilometres downstream enters the sea at Yall. We pushed on and stopped by a little grotto at a crossroads. OK, so Stan, where are we? We're in a place called Glongtan. On the map it's called Newmarket Crossroads. We're again now on one of those ribbon roads, but right in front of us we're looking at the house of Padraig O'Keefe. The plaque in front of me says, Master of Traditional Music, Gifted Performer, Composer, Arranger and Teacher, I think is probably what he'll be most remembered for. He had a nice little way of, they call it tablature, way of writing out music. There's a, a sample of his tablature on the, the plaque. And then at the bottom, he had a system for writing out accordion music. And that's the numbers there along the, the bottom. The house is a wreck. It is, yeah, yeah. It's falling down here at the crossroads. Yeah, yeah. It's, I suppose it's a shame. Pupils would make their way over here to him long ago. I'm not sure if many would have come to the house. I suppose maybe some of the local ones. I know that Paddy Jones used to walk out from nearly inside in Castle Island. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's his house. I dropped Stan back to Newmarket and drove to Brosna, the beautiful village to the north of Shliv Lucre. En route, I stopped at Strelon Bridge on the River Feel, where the three counties meet. Cork, Kerry and Limerick. From Brosna, I drove another of those long, straight roads before hitting the N21 and heading for home. Back in Dublin, my search for the remaining three Schlieff Lucre records continued. Music from Schlieff Lucre, Volume 2, The Star of Munster Trio, John and Julia Clifford and their son Billy, eventually turned up in the late summer. I was on the Hook Peninsula, taking the Passage East Ferry into Waterford. I spent an hour digging in a second-hand record shop, and there it was. This album mostly collects recordings made in 1964, when the Cliffords, at the height of their powers, performed in dance halls and pubs during the heyday of Irish music in London. The photograph on the front sleeve shows the Cliffords in action at the favourite pub in Holloway. I was back in Cork a few months later. Lockdown restrictions had eased and Stan was presenting an evening of Schlieff Lucre music out in the open air in the beautiful surroundings of Fitzgerald's Park. First to take the stage was Brian O'Leary. Two polkas, the Balnahalla Butterfly and Tranquility in Touring Cattle. <laughs> My sister of tranquility in touring cattle. She says, I taught in a primary school there, there's nothing tranquil about touring cattle. <laughs> I suppose that, that title just came out of 
spending a lot of time there during during lockdown, I suppose. The great tradition in Sleeve Lucra. I suppose we're all indebted to the heroes of the past. Yeah. You're hearing the same names like Padraig O'Keefe and Johnny O'Leary and Dennis Murphy crop up because I suppose they will forever inspire the musicians of Sleeve Lucra. For the majority of my music career, I was nearly paying homage to Johnny's music, my grandfather's. I suppose I wasn't sure whether it would be a good or a bad thing, me delving into the compositional kind of side to music, but it was brilliant. Sleeve Lucre is a place synonymous with great fiddle music. You might have heard of Judah Clifford, Dennis Murphy, Padraig O'Keefe, all these famous fiddlers. Someone that people will be talking about in the future is uh, Imo O'Leary. He's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant fiddle player all the way from back in Skaktaglin. He's going to play some music tonight, again, from a record that's only just out last month, McCounter Fane. Good evening, everyone. fantastic it was lovely to just to meet up with my friends and just to play the tunes that we've always played it's been about a year since i played with brian and mara mccounter fane it's my own personal album and i'm backed by brian mooney from brosna i'm playing all local repertoire from my area around scarted lane castle island cordon sleeve lucra so it's tunes i learned from friends and neighbors it's done it's there for children to pick up musicians from the three counties together today one of the few ways we get along is by playing music together now we have Mara O'Connor all the way from Abbey Field in West Limerick she's one of the greatest concertina players in the world today Mara just released her first record it's called It's Handed Down please put your hands together Mara O'Connor just like all the other musicians, was thrilled to be back on stage. I suppose we hadn't played in front of a crowd in like a year. Like we had done obviously like virtual events, but like it's not the same, but it was great to be in front of an audience with clapping and everything. You'd be very proud like to have put something like that together, you know. Deadly. Uh, so we're going on now to two of the greatest grandmasters of uh, Irish music, not to mind Sleeve Lucre music. We've Jackie Daly and Matt Cranage coming on. Jackie made some records, sold a record with Topic and a record he made with Seamus Cree in the 70s. Kicked off like a craze of Sleeve Lucre music. Matt there has taught more people to play the fiddle than probably anyone ever has his book. Matt Cranage and Jackie Daly. These are a couple of slides and these come from Dobarkus. Johnny Mickey Barry's slides. So that's the job now. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's nothing like the buzz that you get and the response that you get for yourself from uh, playing with other musicians and from the feedback from the from the audience. Today was a landmark day for all of us to be able to sit in front of people, have your, our fellow musicians on stage with us and to do what we do, you know. It was a food for the soul. <laughs> it was grand. I, I loved it. As an old man that I used to play with when I was young, Jim Keefe, if you thought the music was good, it's uh, just Jackie. Feels rattling and nothing breaking. past and the present and the future all in one go here with these polkas, the two or more polkas. for Dublin, my magic night by the Lee ringing in my ears. I was still missing volumes three and four to complete the six-volume set of my prized treasure. Volume three, The Humours of Lachine, features John and Julia Clifford, and volume four, Billy Clifford, Irish traditional flute, solos and band music. I had all but given up hope when I got a tip. Some albums had come into the hands of a British record dealer. The Wilsdon Green Public Library in London was after selling off some old LPs from their music library. And lo and behold, what was in amongst the collection? Only my two missing Shilliv Lucre volumes. Wilsdon in the borough of Brent, with Cricklewood to its north and Kilburn to its east, was once home to a huge Irish community. The Cliffords had even lived in Wilsdon in the 1950s. I imagined some of these immigrants borrowing the Schlieve-Lucre records from the library to remind them of home. The blank lending cards told me that these records hadn't been taken out of the library for years. I realised that the reason the Brent Library Service sold off these beautiful vinyl records is because that generation of Irish in London are sadly no longer with us. I had completed my mission 
I had found all six vinyl records in the music of Schlieve Lucre's set. I had rescued the last two lonely records from London and brought them home to be with the others. I would clean the records, put them in lovely new polylined inner sleeves and most importantly, play them. I would treat them with the respect they deserved. I thought about my journey to Schlieve Lucre. I pictured Padraig O'Keefe's ruined old house at the crossroads and his old fiddle that Raymond had glued back together. I thought about what Brian O'Leary had said to me about his initial reluctance towards composition due to the weight of history. And I remembered something Stan had said months earlier as we sat in the back room of Scully's pub in Newmarket, surrounded by fading photographs of the Schlieve Lucre masters. When I was younger, they were all old. They were all taken in the 70s. There's a kind of a, a massive amount of history. But, you know, the one thing about it is there's such beautiful music that I think that's the, the key to it. We were saying about the weight of things, saying that to a younger person. Like when you're looking at the, all that old history, it's like big mountains. Like, and they're like, I can't get over that. And it was like, but here's, you know, say with Brian or Mara or Emma, they're people that they'll meet. You know, yeah, you, know, you exactly. can meet these persons and listen to their music. I realised then that as I had been obsessing over the past, Stan was quietly pushing this tradition forward, recording and releasing music by a new generation of talented musicians. I may have found my six old vinyl records, but my musical journey was really only just beginning. I was well and truly caught up in the drift. 